hear me now. Here we go. North Georgia Revival, we ready? Is this, is this Augusta, Georgia, or is this Dawsonville, Georgia? That sounds like a golf clap. Come on, North Georgia, let's go. Here we go. Welcome to week 149. Uh, it's not on. chapter 37 passage that you're probably familiar with if you grew up in church but if you're not familiar with the passage the prophet Ezekiel has been taken by God to a valley and the scene in the valley is not a good scene it's a very desolate scene there is bones all over the valley it's an old war site and the Lord takes Ezekiel to this valley and he asks him a simple question. He says, Ezekiel, do you think that these bones can live? Do you think that they can live? And Ezekiel gives a, a very pastoral answer. He says, God, only you know that. Which was Ezekiel's way of saying, you took me out here in the middle of nowhere to look at bones, so I'm gonna go with yes. Let's go with yes. Can these bones live? You know, I think a lot of people are asking the same question of the church right now. She's been through a lot this year. People are saying that over 40% of the church will not reopen its doors. People are saying of that 60% that will reopen, half of their folks will never come back. The finances of the church have been so plenished that the churches that do reopen are gonna be limping. Most are calling the church irrelevant. Can it live? Can it live? It says, then he said to me, if you think it can live, open your mouth. Speak. Speak to the bones. Prophesy to them. And so Ezekiel prophesied and something crazy happened. There a rattling took place. And bone to bone, they formed. And God said, that's good, but you need to do it again. So he said, prophesy again, and he did. And then ligament and tendons formed and flesh formed. And Ezekiel's getting a little excited at this point. Maybe without even prompting, he began to prophesy again, and those bones stood up. And they had the form of a human but they had no breath in them. Maybe you can relate. I lived a long time as a Christian with no breath in me. As a Methodist pastor, trying my best just to lead a congregation, and somebody told me about a baptism that I had not yet had. 
I told them their theology was wrong. That I received all of that when I got saved. And he said, well, why are you struggling so bad? So maybe there's, maybe there's some breath that you don't have. And he laid hands on me and he prayed for me and I was filled with breath. I think maybe one of the problems of the church today is it's been standing without breath. And a lot of you are here tonight because you are looking for more. And if you'll open yourself up to the Lord tonight, he'll give you more of himself and he'll breathe into you. And so Ezekiel prophesied again and breath came. And that leads us to our passage. In chapter 10, it says, So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and they stood on their feet, a great army, great army. I believe the Lord's assembling an army. It's time for the army of God to stand up. Lines have been drawn in the sand. People are telling us what we can and can't do. It's time for an army to step up. It's time for an army to worship the Lord. It's time for an army to lead the church. Are you ready for worship tonight? Let's not wait for the worship team to lead us into worship. Let's lead the worship team into worship. Come on. Let's raise our voices. Let's lift up a shout to the Lord. If you got a spirit language, why don't you use it right now? Lift up King Jesus. We love you. We praise you. Call King Jesus. Get what you paid for. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Oh, come on, everybody. Shout in his place.
every hand lifted, we sing, you reign above it all. We sing, cause you reign above it all. You reign above it all. Over the universe, over every heart, there is no hiding. Jesus, you reign above it all. Now on the cross, the work is
Thank you. 
lifted in this room. Sing this out from your spirit, we sing. And then came the morn. That's the promise. Your buried body. Your buried body. Began to breathe. Began to Come on, think about it. And out of the silence. The roaring lion. Roaring lion. What did he declare? Declared the grave has no time give him a praise
I'm telling you, everything that is empty in your life tonight, everything shall be filled tonight. Every empty spot. Every empty spot. Every empty spot. I declare it over you. I prophesy it over you. Every sick body healed. Every broken ministry where you thought that there's no hope for you, there's no life for you, there's no future for you. Tonight, you're going to come to the waters. You're going to fall on your face before the Lord at these altars. And the fire of God is resurrecting you tonight. He's resurrecting your ministry. He's resurrecting your ministry. Marriage is being healed tonight people that are dying with COVID in hospitals that you know. We declare life and health. They'll live and not die. They'll live and not die. They'll live and not die. I said they'll live and not die. Miss Barbara, you'll live and not die. Love on somebody before you're seated. Let them know you're glad to have them at the North Georgia Revival tonight. Welcome them. glad to have you at Christ Fellowship Church at the North Georgia Revival. We welcome the ISN Network, our family and friends with Sid Roth, have several of their people with us today. I'm going to ask that contingent from the ISN Network, It's Supernatural, Miss Donna and your team, would you guys stand up? Thank you for all that you do for the North Georgia Revival. Love you guys. It's good to be here tonight, week number 149 of the North Georgia Revival. I'm telling you, the presence of God is so strong. He's here. Prophet Jeremiah, you're going to be able to preach with a lot of ease tonight. Oh, the Holy Ghost is here. I want my wife to come very quickly. She has an announcement. Would you help me welcome Karen as she comes? There we go. The Lord's in the house tonight, amen? So good to see you tonight at Christ Fellowship Church and North Georgia Revival. Praise God. I agree with Todd. The atmosphere is so set for the things of the Lord tonight. I just want to invite you to relax. You know what? We don't have to be anywhere. We don't have to be anywhere, but right here. So just pull up to the table and get ready to eat tonight, amen? At the North Georgia Revival and at Christ Fellowship Church, we believe in discipleship. We believe in discipleship. Uh, Pastor David has a Bible school in his church. Pastor Robbie, you got a Bible school. Pastor Don got a Bible school. We got Bible schools. We have a Bible school here at Christ Fellowship Church because we believe that your stewardship is your responsibility. Building yourself is your responsibility. Amen? So we can't rely solely on our pastors to constantly, my goodness, if we ate once a week, it would be a bad day. So we can't rely on them to feed us one day a week. 
No way can we, can we rely totally on that spiritually. That being said, when you leave out of here tonight, you need to visit the product tables. Absolutely, you must stop and visit the product tables. Now, guys, there are T-bone steaks, lamb chops, mashed potatoes, sweet tea and cheesecake out on those tables. Prophet Jeremiah Johnson's got some incredible information out there. And Pastor Todd Smith does as well. Amen. You want to pick up his glory book. This is the book about the North Georgia revival and, and how to host revival, how to host the presence of God. This is brand new out, was uh, featured on Sid Roth. So you want to pick this up and, and learn about how to host the presence of God. Amen. We got to learn how to be a good host of the presence of God, how to carry the presence of God. If you're interested in a devotion book, it is Christmas. Listen, don't give somebody an old ugly old sweater that's going to be in the drawer for the, the rest of their life. They may wear it one time when you're there, but put some meat in their hand. Come on, for crying out loud, give them some food to, to feast on. This is a devotion guide. Seventy of the most incredible men and women of God that you can get your hands on. Our revival pastors are in this book. Michael Brown is in this book. Dr. John Kilpatrick in this book. Amen. You will want to pick this devotion guide up. Get it for Christmas gifts. Come on, invest in somebody. Amen. Give them the word for crying out loud. And then this one right here, this is the one we cannot keep. We cannot keep this book. This is the book called Speaking in Tongues, Your Secret Weapon. This is the book right here that will explain the weapon of praying in tongues. You know, the enemy has to sit in the corner and just cross his arms and just wait till you're done because he has no idea what is going on between you and heaven when you pray in the Spirit. Amen? So pick up this book tonight as well, and then you want to also pick up this uh, conversation piece. I mean, wear this to the Christmas dinner. Amen? Wear this on Christmas morning to grannies, and there will not be a lack of conversation in the house when you come in and say, this is what we are called to do, appointed to do, and assigned to do. And if we're going to take over, like Prophet Jeremiah talked about this morning, this right here is what we've got to do. Amen? And then lastly, ladies, don't forget, coming January the 22nd and the 23rd is our Ignited Women's Conference. You can go online and register at cfchurch.tv, or you can use the QR code that's going to come up there on the screen and register. It is $20 per person to come and be with us. We have a powerful lineup of ladies that are going to speak, and I'm expecting a 1,000 women in the building. So you got to be one of the thousand. We will immerse on that Friday night. Then the next day on Saturday is packed full of uh, powerful uh, word and, and explanation of the things of God. So you want to come and get in on that. So women, don't forget to register. Get your spot and come and be with us for the Women's Conference 2021. Amen. Welcome Pastor Todd as he comes. Praise God. Yes, every woman stand in the room, if you would. If you are a woman, would you stand? My, my Lord. The daughters, the daughters of the king are here. The Esthers are in the room. 
The Deborahs are in the room. The Marys are in the room. You're gonna get pregnant with something. Listen to me, ladies. Already our North Georgia Revival Women's Conference is outpacing anything that we've done in the past. There is such a hunger among the women of God. Pull that up one more time. I need you to take your phone out, register right now. You don't even need to pray about it. Friday night, all day Saturday, you come and you get in this atmosphere. Your life's changing. Your family's changing. Your children are changing. Come on. Your children are changing. Your church will change. Pastor Amy Lyle will be here. Pastor Stevie Scott, Pastor Jill Mathis, Pastor Karen Smith will be leading this, uh, the teaching. And so I'm telling you, it's going to be fire. Touch three people and say fire. All you have to do is pull out your cell phone, pull up your camera right there. You can register right now. You may be seated in the house. Praise God. Thank you for being here tonight. I want to receive an offering this evening uh, for the North Georgia Revival. We want to bless Prophet Jeremiah Johnson as well. We want to make sure that he leaves this house fully, fully uh, overflowing, if you will, with blessings from the North Georgia Revival. I want him to know that he has friends here. We're not tapping into his anointing. We're not just tapping into his marking and his calling and say thank you for being here. But we want him to know that what he poured into us is life-changing. Some of you will spend $200 an hour at a lawyer, $300 an hour. Your doctor visit will be $400 for the day. And you'll come to the house of God where there's morsel, there's food, there's richness, there's depth, there's healing and you'll give a tip. There's no tippers in here tonight. Some of you will give more to your waitress at Longhorns than you'll do to come into the very presence in the house of God and receive direction for your life and purpose. I just declare over this house tonight that there's gonna be a freedom of giving that will literally rock your world where the master will give it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. As the same measure as you give it, it will be given back to you. I want to bless the man of God tonight. I want to bless the house of the Lord. It costs several thousand dollars every Sunday night to host the presence of God, between two to three thousand dollars every Sunday night, our expenses. Let's meet that tonight and beyond, and then also bless the prophet. So stand your feet. We want to give tonight. Three ways to give. You can give to cfchurch.tv. You can go there and give. You can text your gift. You can also mail your check, those that are watching at home. Some of you in this room may would like to underwrite an entire church service, revival service. We have people do that from time to time. Please feel free to do it. You've been blessed in 2020. While others have declined, you've increased. No greater place to put seed into the house than right here. Than right here at the North Georgia Revival. Hallelujah. So, Father, we give tonight cheerfully. We give wonderfully tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, for a wow factor. That this offering will be wow. The people of God are responding. We thank you, Lord, for the lives that have been changed. Bless this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house. I want to take just a moment before I introduce our speaker. You may be seated. 
Some of you have never been to the North Georgia Revival. In fact, this is your first time. Raise your hand if you've never been to the North Georgia Revival. God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. Who's from out of state today? Who's from out of state? Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Week 149, we are literally seven weeks away, if that, uh, just a few weeks away from, um, yeah, seven weeks away from our third anniversary of the North Georgia Revival. We baptized over 15,500 people in the last 149 weeks. Let me tell you what happened in January of 2018, for those of you that don't know. You probably walked into this environment and you have never seen an above-ground swimming pool in the middle of a sanctuary. You're probably thinking this is kind of a, a, an unusual church. It's kind of maybe different. <laughs> yeah. We were baptizing so many people on a Sunday night in the 200s that we were baptizing to 6 in the morning. And we said, we got to do something else. And so we decided to bring an above-ground swimming pool. Now we travel all over the country, and pastors have above-ground swimming pools in their sanctuary. Pastor Marty was with, in a meet Louisiana with Pastor Jeff McNeely. They had an above ground, not just, it was bigger than that one right there. It's, a, it's adult size, I'm telling you. It is, it is the Mac Daddy Cadillac version. But in 2018, at the moment of complete desperation and disgust in my life, I was frustrated with the ministry. I loved our church. Our church was good. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. I got so burned out. We called a 21-day fast at our church just literally to say, God, you got to do something. I had been here at eight years at that time. And on a Thursday afternoon, I'm just walking across this platform right here, praying as I did in the fast every day, just walking, minding my business, talking to the Lord, praying in tongues. And one time I turned and I was walking toward our baptistry, and it was empty, no water in it. And for eight seconds to 10 seconds, I had an open vision. I saw my baptistry full of water and fire on top of the water. It was two and a half to three feet wide, and it was from front to back. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. Not only are they going to be immersed in water, but when they go underneath the water and when they come up, the breath that they take first will be filled with fire. He says, I'm going to touch people in the baptismal pool. I've asked Dr. Michael Brown, John Kilpatrick, other scholars and other pastors, John and Carol Arnott and others that have ministered here. And I've asked them, has there ever been in the history of Christianity a baptismal revival? And not one of them could say yes. Every revival has baptisms. But there's, a, there's never been a baptismal revival where the whole meeting is about meeting Jesus in the water. I watched with my very own eyes psoriasis melt off a man's body in that water. I've watched deaf people, 100% deaf, come up being able to hear. I've watched people who were crippled and could not walk and had not walked in seven years get up out of the water and walk and run. I've seen cancer patients, literally, with weeks to live, get into the water 
This lady right here in Titusville, Florida, had four stage four leukemia. She had lost 50 pounds from March the 2nd. She came to a meeting that we had at the Hope Community Church in Titusville. I shared the story of how Jesus said, I'm going to baptize people and meet people in the water. She came in September and got baptized in that horse trough right there. Stage four, leukemia. Nothing happened to her that night as far as anything that we could tell. We like to go three weeks or three months in a row to a particular church to build the right culture, to be able to host the presence of God long term, to go from visitation to habitation. We went back the next month, and there she is again the second time. Ray, where's Ray? Is he here? He was just here. Is he? He's in, okay, he stepped out. He's here tonight, that gentleman, and that's you right there on the, on the stand up. You know this lady, don't you? All the way from Florida, they're up here today. These two individuals baptized her. Come on now. And the doctors felt at this point that it had already spread to her organs, her stomach, and her back. She was in tremendous pain that night at the revival. She sat there. She couldn't move. There's Ray right there. Let Ray know you love him right here. That's you right there. You know this lady, don't you, Ray? Yeah, you know this lady. She goes to the doctor the next, well, she gets baptized, but before her baptism, she couldn't worship and praise Pastor David because she was in so much pain. She was freezing. She gets in that water the second time in October and immediately felt relief of, the, of, 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 her, of her pain. She comes down to the altar after her baptism and begins to dance. She goes to the doctor the next day, stage four leukemia, has a PET scan, the doctor calls her on Tuesday and says this, we need you to come back because we think our machines are broken. We think our machines are broken. They said, you had cancer, right? She goes, yeah, I had cancer. And she says, what seems to be the problem? She says, well, we can't find any, any cancer in your body, so we need you to come back, and we think our machines are broken. What you didn't know, she, her diet had come down to applesauce and a few crackers and uh, some type of um, drink that she could drink to get energy in her body. Yeah, a boost, exactly. That's what she, she would drink. Had no appetite. She gets baptized on Monday. Before she comes to revival on Tuesday, she said to her husband, I'm hungry, let's go to Cracker Barrel. I kid you not. The text that I got, the email I got, she said, I ordered fried catfish. Hash brown, hash brown casserole, sweet tea. And she said, I ate it all. She goes back to the doctor for a second, tan, a second test. It is a nuclear PET scan where everything wrong in your body lights up. They did lab work on her blood. They call her back later that week and says, and says to her, we don't know what has happened but there's no cancer in your blood. There's no cancer in your bones. You have no longer any leukemia. Come on now, somebody. I said, somebody got to give him praise tonight. One moment, one contact, not in a prayer line, not a tunnel of fire, but meeting Jesus in the water. 
This move of the Spirit is completely nameless and fameless. A faceless. You cannot sell a book because of it. You can't, you can't market it. You can't brand it. Nobody can take claim to it. It's just Jesus meeting his bride in the water. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. So just a few months ago, a little boy traveled from Delaware. Twelve and a half hours because a mother heard what Jesus was doing in the water. They drove through the night. I'm going to show you a miracle that was captured on video because some of you have been brought up in churches where you don't see miracles, they don't talk about signs, and they don't expect any wonders. But I'm here to tell you Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And for the first time in your life, you're going to see that Jesus still does what he did. People ask me all the time, Prophet, where, how, how do you and Pastor Marty and your elders and your team have faith? Here's what I know. I built my entire theology around this as a Southern Baptist sensationist, which I didn't believe in miracles that took place before the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But now I do. I know what Jesus would do every time if he was here in his physical bone body. I know it. I don't doubt it. I don't speculate. I don't have to beg him. I just know what he would do. You're going to watch this video. It's four minutes long. I want you to stand to your feet. Can you stand for four minutes? Little boy named Reed, I want you to watch his faith. And as soon as this video is over, Prophet Jeremiah is going to come. That'll be the very next voice that you hear and the very next face that you see. We are honored to have him in the house tonight as a mouthpiece from God. I'm telling you, he is speaking divine revelation, the Father's heart. I want you to watch this video. Turn the volume up, if you will. This is Reed, nine years old, blind in his left eye, 20 over 3,200 vision. Watch this. Reed is 10 years old. I asked him why he wanted the Lord to heal his eyes. He said, they diagnosed me with glaucoma. You're, you're 10. You're, you're 10. In your left eye. Is that true, Mom? Bilateral eye surgery. Eleven months old. Eleven months old. Eleven months old. Bilateral surgery on both eyes to to relieve him of the glaucoma, but they cannot get his vision fixed. Read. Have you ever seen a miracle? You've seen miracles, so you know he can do it, right? So now you get to be a miracle. You ready? 
Jesus a round of applause. Come on, I said, let's give Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm ready for the baptisms. Well, I want to thank Pastor Todd and Karen and the family here at the North Georgia Revival for hosting us. Thank you very much from our team to yours. It's been a real honor. Can we give them a round of applause? I've had the privilege the last 10 years of traveling around the nation, and I can truly say that this place and another place, Fresh Start Church in Peoria, Arizona, these two houses are just simply carrying something in this nation that is so precious, and we want to honor you and thank you for your sacrifices. Amen. Just one more time, let's honor them. Amen. As it should be. We bless you. We honor you. Thank you. If you have in your Bibles, would you turn to Acts chapter 17? If you were here this morning, I had them go there and we never got there. And so I'm going to attempt to uh, just finish up uh, where we left off. I was deeply impressed by the Holy Spirit this afternoon as I prayed just to conclude on our time and then I believe that there'll be a strong uh, prophetic release uh, as we end. I said this morning that I believe that God is releasing a revival of his word in America. I believe that the church is a culture of truth, not a culture of feelings. And all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets would rise and they would challenge the kings to tear down the high places. And it was only Hezekiah and his grandson Josiah that faithfully tore down the high places. And as a result, there was revival in the land. And I want to encourage those who are gathered here from many different places that what it's going to take for historic outpouring of the Holy Spirit in America, I believe, is for the high places of our feelings to be torn down in this nation. Now, I spent about 45 minutes this morning explaining exactly what I meant by that. But I want to read you something and then we'll jump into part two tonight that I believe helps sum up the high place of feelings. My feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. My feelings are echoes and responses 
to what my mind perceives. And sometimes, many times, my feelings are out of sync with the truth. When that happens, and it happens every day to some measure, I try not to bend the truth to justify my imperfect feelings, but rather I plead with God, purify my perceptions of your truth and transform my feelings so that they are in sync with your truth. How Jesus' words make us feel emotionally is not a good gauge of truth. The parable that we looked at this morning, Jesus with the rich young ruler, I read from the Kenneth Weiss, the Greek translation, where it says that Jesus fell in love with the rich young ruler and said, sell all that you have. It says that the rich young ruler left feeling disappointed. In other words, was Jesus loving in that story? And are we willing to accept a love in America that wants to come and confront and iron out the wrinkles in the bride? Or when we hear the truth of God's word come forth, if it doesn't make me feel good, then it can't be the truth. I believe God is going to raise up preachers of righteousness as in the days of Noah when he gathered up his household and began to build an ark of his presence in this nation. I believe God wants to see his word come alive again. He does not need us to apologize for his word. I said this morning, will the real Jesus please stand up. He doesn't need our makeup. He doesn't need our productions. He doesn't need us to produce him. He just needs us to introduce him. He is looking for followers, not fans. He is looking for people that love eternal realities more than they love their present circumstances. If you've got a pulse tonight, just say amen. amen. There's a revival of the word of God that's coming to this nation. God is not impressed with our cool, our hip, our wisdom of this world models. COVID-19 came and shut down the entertainment drive-through model of church and we should never try to resurrect it again. We should just shoot that pop 
possum and let it die where it is. We don't need a new normal. We need the ancient past. Amen. We need to get old school. We need to preach a hell that's still hot. We need to preach a heaven that's still open. We need to preach the scandal of the cross once again. We need to bid men to come and deny themselves and pick up their cross and follow him. Now we can't get you clapping because you're not feeling good, but I'm telling you the gospel is not about your feelings. God cares more about your character than how you feel. Amen. As a loving, holy father, his job is not to be your sugar daddy, your homeboy. We don't worship a God made in our imagination. We worship the God of the Bible. Amen. We don't live above the word. We live underneath the word. We don't tell God what to do. God tells us what to do. We were slaves of sin, and now we're slaves of the cross. Right? There's more than he forgave you. He has redeemed you. He has bought you with a price. And he wants you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. We're talking about backsliding in the church because no one has learned how to front slide. We have people selling out because they never sold out. And God is going to raise up messengers in this nation that are going to preach on the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the second coming. Like Wesley, like Finney, the preachers coming to a church near you are not going to offer you cotton candy and caramel apples. Our teeth are rotting out in the American church at the expense of famished bodies. God wants to change our appetite tonight because appetite dictates the direction of our lives. Many of you need a new diet. It's called the Word of God. I said it's called the Word of God. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two double-edged sword. It is powerful. It is mighty. We don't need any more church growth textbooks. We don't need any more TED Talks. We don't need any more motivational sermonettes that produce Christianettes. We need the meat of God's Word. Clearly what we're doing isn't working. Watch the news. Watch what's happening in the streets. I want to challenge you if you are a pastor, if you are a leader in this room, we must go back 
to the drawing board. We must get back to the place of prayer and fasting where we tarry for a rhema word from God. I'm tired of the regurgitated. I'm tired of the sermons.com. I want a word from heaven. We need voices in this nation that are going to preach and prophesy from the throne room of heaven. I'm telling you, the carnival, the circus called American Church is over. Come on, I said it's over. Get out of Babylon and become the bride. Come out from among her. God has been preparing messengers in the wilderness. They fear God more than they fear man. They sing one octave too high for the natural ears. They are going to cry aloud and spare not in this nation. And just like John and Charles were kicked out of the lukewarm church, I'm telling you, as the true word of the Lord is preached in this nation, we're either going to welcome the fire or we're going to have to put it out of the church. I believe the religious system in America killed off an entire generation of evangelists. We had our brothers and sisters on the street. They were preaching. They were saving souls. They were casting out devils. And then we tried to connect them to a local church where the fire of the new convert exposed the dryness in the pulpit and the pew and rather than receive them as a gift from God we told them to sit down and shut up and oh brother you're you're zealous oh brother you got a little fire but why don't you learn how to love but when fathers are not raising up sons and God begins to anoint a next generation because we don't know how to commission them. We try to compete with them. And as David rose on the scene and the cries from the people began to be, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Any good father would have rejoiced and said, thank you, Father, that my ceiling has become the next generation's footstools. I'm telling you, the fatherhood of God is going to come to the American church where we're going to do family, we're going to do fathering, we're going to do fire, and it's going to burn hottest in your bedroom, in the living room, in the dining room table. I wish someone had a pulse in this room. Oh, Hallelujah. In 2018, I had a life-changing encounter. 
I'm going to share it briefly. It doesn't do it justice, but it changed the course of my life forever. I was sensing after eight years of pastoring down in Florida that the Lord was transitioning me, that there was something that was bubbling up inside of me. And I was on a fast at one afternoon, and suddenly Jesus Christ walked into my bedroom. He was as real as you are sitting here. His head is as white as wool. His eyes burn like fire. And he pointed his finger in my chest. And he said, Jeremiah, I'm going to raise you up as an end time messenger in the earth. And he said to me this, many know the lamb who went to Calvary, but few know the lion who is returning to devour his father's enemies. Many know the lamb who went to Calvary, but few know the lion who is returning to devour his father's enemies. The Lord said, Jeremiah, I want you to preach the lion. I want you to tell my church that they look like a bunch of domesticated kitty cats, that their nails have been clipped by religion, their voice has been stolen away and as you preach the lion a spirit of lock jaw is going to break off their jaws they're going to begin to open up their mouth the lions and the lionesses are going to roar in America Come on, I wish somebody would get free tonight. This guy over here is going, come on, come on, come on. I've just, I've just been, I bring this up many times as I feel led to. It's so intriguing to me. We've been taking teams to Israel for the last 10 years now and you have there the fulfillment Jesus says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me in the synagogue he's anointed me to preach the good news to bind up the brokenhearted to preach freedom for the captives in the synagogue and then you have the mount of beatitudes and Jesus lays out this tremendous blessed are the poor in spirit and when you hear people say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, they use it for evangelistic work. And I just can't get past Jesus wasn't using it on the Sermon on the Mount where the crowds were gathered. Jesus was using that in the church of his day. So when he says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, he's anointed me to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to preach freedom for the captives. He's establishing that there are, there are bondages and there are prisoners to sin, but then there are prisoners to a religious system that have become brokenhearted, that have forgot the good 
news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have forgot the joy of their salvation. And before Jesus comes for his church, he is coming to his church. And in a generation looking to go up and be raptured, God is saying, grow up. Do we have the full counsel of God's word being preached in America? Are you and I giving our lives to Genesis, to Revelation? Are we asking God to remove the blinders, the veils from our eyes? Are we like blind Bartimaeus who said, Son of David, have mercy on me? Are we praying, God, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the night? Knowledge of God. Oh God, I ask that you would enlighten the eyes of my heart that I might know you. Jesus, I want to see you for who you really are. I don't want to pick parts of you that I like and ignore the other parts that I don't. God, I don't want to be a deficient, shallow, stale, dry Christian. Lord, I want to contend. Lord, I want to press in. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to know the power of your suffering. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that the Lamb would receive the full reward of his suffering in America. So in Acts 17, Paul shows up to Thessalonica. We're going to skip where he shows up to Berea in verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness and said amen and went home. We can't even get people to bring their Bible to church anymore. Oh, I got it on my iPhone. No, you're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. You're checking your text messages. Oh, brother, I know that scripture. My question is, why doesn't that scripture know you? They received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether the things were so. I want to tell you if these Bereans were even going to put to the test the words of Apostle Paul, I want to free you from swallowing hook, line, and sinker what preachers tell you. I want to actually tell you as a good disciple of Jesus Christ who should be taking notes. Can I get in trouble tonight? Folks, we invented Bible colleges and seminaries. 
because we did not want to disciple converts, we made Bible colleges and seminaries for a special group of people who feel called to full-time ministry when the truth is every single person in this room as a disciple of Jesus Christ should be giving your life to a study and an examination of the Word of God. You are not a bunch of pew fodder for preachers. You do not have to be spiritually stupid. There are more resources available in America for you to dig deep and begin to feed on the word of God. It's at your fingertips. I want to pray God send fire on devotional lives tonight. Lord, I want to speak your word back to you. I want to sing your word back to you. I want to preach your word and let power be released in the atmosphere. I thought the Bible said signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. Exactly, preach the word. When you're not preaching the word, the power of God is not going to follow your ministry. Oh, hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you the truth. You have a grace, you have a calling, you are capable, you are able to impact the environment that God has called you to. I believe that homeschool moms are the greatest disciplers in America. There is a revival coming to the home in America. If you're a homeschool mom, God is with you. You didn't lose your ministry. Your kids are your ministry. I'm just, I'm telling you, the, the, just the anointed superstar preacher era is over. God is offering the post-quarantine church, which is you and I, that's what I call us, God is offering the post-quarantine church, church hurt immunity. Come on, he is sounding the alarm. He is shutting down VeggieTale Christianity. He just ripped out the feeding tube from your mouth to the pulpit during COVID-19 because he didn't want you to get on YouTube or iTunes. He wanted you to break open the Word of God in your home and learn how to feast on God for yourself. It's time to train, it's time to equip, and it's time to release the saints into the work of the ministry.
You're not here to be entertained. You're not here to be coddled. Why are we still changing people's diapers? Can I preach a minute? We've got an eight-year-old, Bella Grace, who's here tonight. We've got a seven-year-old. We've got a four-year-old, and we've got a two-year-old. Praise God, Hadassah, our two-year-old, she's almost out of potty training. Listen, I'm good with changing the diapers of little babes. I'm okay with the church changing the diapers of new converts. I know they need mercy. They need compassion. They need people to walk them through the story, the counseling. But I find it disgusting that we are still trying to change the diapers of saints who have been saved 10, 20, 30 years. Come on, the poo-poo stinks. I'm not going to wipe your poo-poo. We're going to teach you how to clean up after yourself. We need more than coddling. The American church has been overly pastored. We've been goo God and babied and, oh, little baby, you're going to be okay. And God is going to raise up apostolic and prophetic messengers whose goal is maturity. We need all the fivefold, but I'm telling you, there's an emergence of apostolic and prophetic witnesses who are going to begin to prophesy and preach and proclaim. They're going to challenge you, sir, put down the video games and fight for your marriage. Get off the porn. Start looking into the eyes of your children. Your compromise is costing you your marriage. Wake up. Wake up. I hate the devil. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is a stealer. Where have the men gone in the church? Bunch of girly men. Letting all the women do all the praying and all the preaching. I thank God for the Debras. I thank God for the Esthers. But we need Elijah. We need some fathers to return to some sons and some sons to return to some fathers. First Corinthians 16, 13, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men. 
Sorry, ladies. It says, act like men. Be strong. We should be able to talk to women and not have to apologize to men. And we should be able to talk to men and not have to apologize to women. God is saying to the men in America, you have fallen off the post. You have been in bed with Eli. You will not confront your own sin. So you can't confront the sin in your own house. And today is your hour. Get your butt in that baptismal pool. Get dunked once or twice or 15 times. How free do you really want to be? Throw that computer, throw that television screen out the front door. It's not worth it. It's not worth your marriage. It's not worth your children, sir. Jesus, help us. I take this guy on the road with us. <laughs> you guys are kind. I'm usually preaching in places where you could hear a rat pee on a cotton ball. I, I forget the forget the love offering. It's like. Ready for the hate mail. If you're going to go soft, don't go soft on sin. I don't know why we don't want to talk about sin in the church. I don't know why the goal has become to make everybody happy and to make everybody comfortable and just create these environments where people are lied to, they're patronized, and then they call us hypocrites. They're right. You're right. There's not a whole lot of real and raw men of God in the church. Why is the women's ministry killer in the church and the men's ministry sucks? Sorry. So it says that these Bereans... When Paul preached the word of God, they examined what he was saying. It says that they were, were more noble. I want to encourage you as the people of God to be a good Berean, to stop deferring to whoever you think is theological or spiritual minded. I want to encourage you to stop 
posting and sharing everything that you see on Facebook. I know a lot of people hate the fact checker thing, but I'm telling you the church needs to be fact checked. But then it says in verse 16, we're winding down, I guess, whatever that means. So he's at Berea, and these folks are good, Bible-believing, track with me. They're at least trying to examine what he's saying. And it says in verse 16, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was beholding the city full of idols. Another translation says that the city was drowning. They were gasping with idols. I believe it's worth just 15 seconds to honor our brother Paul who couldn't just walk into work or in their city or in their family and see all the idol worship and keep moving on. Our brother Paul, he was provoked. He was incited. He carried a burden. He he was disturbed. He was driven by a higher power. He had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a Holy Ghost terror. He was a man who preached the power of the resurrection that turned cities and nations upside down. It would do us a lot of good in the American church if we would get provoked again. If we would get incited again, if we would get disturbed again concerning all the idolatry in the church, I bless your zeal, I bless your passion, I bless your fire, I bless your desire to drop a plumb line, I bless your convictions, I bless your desire to point out right and wrong. I curse your lukewarmness. I curse your apathy and your lethargy. It's time for the bride to awaken from her slumber. He was provoked. We're still trying to look for prophets to stroke us. When God is raising prophets to provoke the body of Christ to holiness and repentance and the fear of the Lord to get you down to an altar to preach to you the scandal of the cross rather than your next car or your next possession. Bring the prophet in. So we can just pimp them out. We got too many pillow puppets posing as prophets in America. 
God is raising up voices who are not here for fame or fortune. They're lampstands. They're lightning rods. They say, behold, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. Cash at me. Get a job, bro. That was for free. So he was reasoning with them in the synagogue, these Athenians. They were intelligent. They were wise. But I want to zero in on verse 21. It says, now all the Athenians and all the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than hearing or telling something new. You have the Bereans who were good for our talk tonight Bible-believing men and women of God. They read their Bibles. They had Bible study. They loved the Word of God. They walked down the road called Emmaus from Genesis to Revelation. They believe in the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension. They abide in the doctrines of Christ. They they don't need another personality or charisma. They just want Jesus. There is a fresh Jesus movement that is arising in America. God is trying to deliver captives from religious systems during COVID-19. He's trying to tell you in the new year, never go back there again. But then there were the Athenians. Translations say this was a group who craved something sensational. They wanted something new. I believe that an Athenian spirit has crept into the charismatic movement where we have become individuals who absolutely crave the latest, greatest revelation, prophecy, sign, wonder, and miracle. Meanwhile, Jesus Christ sits in the corner of his church totally ignored, and I'm prophesying to you that there's going to be voices that are going to catch wind of this. They're going to be Bereans, not Athenians, and with every fiber in their being. They're going to be mantled with fresh vision and revelation of the Son of Man. I want to make a public confession. And I'm not going to add 17 qualifiers. I'm just going to tell you this. I believe in 
some ways I could have got off my calling because of Donald Trump. As I have prayed and I have fasted before the Lord the last 30 days, what I hear Jesus saying to me is get back to the throne room. Lock eyes with me. I can give you an assignment. I can show you some things in the earthly realm, but don't you dare stop prophesying from the heavenly realm. Now, I'm not going to add the 17 qualifiers of the 3,000 questions that just popped up in this room, but I'm going to just speak for me. I know the Spirit of God is saying to Jeremiah, get on the sea of glass, gaze at my beauty, prophesy about the one who sits above the circle of the earth. Kings are set up and they're taken down. You must root and ground my people in my word. You must preach the power of my resurrection. Maybe it's for me, maybe it's for you, but I sense the Spirit of God is just saying in this room that a line is being drawn in the sand in America. You're going to have to wrestle through what God is speaking to you but I believe there's some perverse Athenian spirit that's got into the church where we are being blown back and forth by every wind of doctrine. We know more about Jezebel and Judas and Absalom than we know about Jesus Christ. We have become masters in spiritual warfare because it sells better. Talk to somebody like me who's in the TV, who's in the publishing arena. The wackier it is, the more it sells. The more out there it is, the more charismatics grab it. And I want to tell you as a faithful witness of Jesus Christ, he's going to grab hold of a remnant with such a gaze, with such an intensity that you're all only going to want to talk about him. There will be no other subject matter. There will be nothing else that floats your boat. That's nice. You can talk about all the subjects, but there's only one subject. His name is Jesus. I believe that a bride is getting herself ready. And I believe that God is exposing unrighteous affections. I believe that God brought us here tonight to challenge our diet. What are you feasting on? Are you at the buffet of the charismania circus? Is your emotions and everything about you on edge 24-7 until you get the next newsletter of the next word? Or are we going to stop 
building our lives on the sand and we build our lives on the rock solid foundation of Jesus Christ. I know it doesn't glitter. I know it doesn't glow. I know it's not glamorous, but I'm telling you, God isn't looking for glamorous in this generation. In fact, he's looking for some donkeys that he can ride on into cities and regions. Calling all donkeys. The Lord hath need of thee. And it's not going to be about our revelation and our ministry and how many people follow us online. Who gives a hoot? Are you in love relationship with the Son of Man? Do you drip oil from the secret place? You got five more minutes? Turn to the book of Kings just real quickly. I believe that God brought you here to challenge your diet. First Kings 16. I'm warning the American church of an Athenian spirit. I believe that there is a group, a growing group, especially in the charismatic Pentecostal community who they literally crave. It says about the Athenians, they wanted a new revelation before they could even digest the next one. Have you heard about the interview with the Indian pastor who planted 10,000 churches underneath intense persecution? They bring him to America and say, what's the difference between what you do and the American church? He said, that's easy. You all are hearers of the word. We're doers of the word. We don't need another prophetic word or revelation because we're still trying to steward what God has presently given us. So there's this an Athenian spirit. And then in 1 Kings uh, 16 verse 29, I want to just talk briefly about the spirit of perversion that has entered the house of God. I believe God wants to expel unrighteous appetites from our midst. He wants us going into 2021. He wants you baptized in this water, craving one thing as you go down, and then only craving the Son of Man as you come out. He wants to take you as a charismatic addict who has all the stripes and all the stars and all the subscriptions. He wants you to baptize you in water tonight, save you some money, and you're going into 2021 only reading your Bible. Some of you, you don't need more books. I've written 12 myself. Some of you don't need more books. You need this book. You need the Word of God. says in 1 
Kings 16, 29. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all those who were before him. And verse 31, and it came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. If you have a highlighter or just a pen, I want you to circle that word trivial. That word trivial means it's not a big deal. Deal. Steve Hill during the Brownsville revival faithfully preached night after night. Treating sin casually creates casualties. When we begin to treat sin in our lives and in the church as not a big deal, what it ends up doing is it opens up the door to the spirit of Jezebel in our lives. Notice the order here. It says that Ahab was the most evil king that ever lived. Why? He didn't think sin was a big deal. The next sentence says, and he married Jezebel. When we do not think sin is a big deal, it produces unrighteous affections. Where we begin to crave, where we begin to desire to get into relationship with people and places that we should have never been attracted to if sin had have been a big deal. You have people asking, well, why didn't they vote for so-and-so? Folks, the foundational issue in America is not a political one. It's a spiritual one. We have a sin issue in the American church. And when sin is not a big deal, we begin to align ourselves with people and parties we should have never been attracted to. Killing babies isn't a big deal. Sexual immorality isn't a big deal. We just let all this mixture and all this compromise and all this sin and then we wonder how we've gotten to where we've gotten. I'm telling you where we went wrong in the church, where our appetite and diet became demonic is we refuse to preach on sin. 
We refuse to preach on the blood and the cross. When we begin to buy into these entertainment model, make you feel good realities. I, I had a pastor just the other day tell me, we have 20 couples, homosexuals in our church the last five years. Isn't that great? They feel loved, they feel accepted, and I said, brother, I wonder if you're actually preaching the gospel. Because again, I'm all for come as you are, but come as you are doesn't mean stay as you are. I know a love, I know a cross that won't leave you in your sin and in the pig slop. I know a grace that doesn't give license to sin. And oh God, I'm sorry, but really I'm going to do it again. So there is this Athenian, this craving, this something new, this cotton candy, peanuts. You know why houses of worship aren't essential anymore? Because we're not houses of worship. We've become houses of Baal. Your governor recognizes it, but you can't. Sorry, not really. They, they literally, they don't believe we're essential because we don't even look like the scriptures. We are the club. We are the latest, greatest. We are the cool. We are the fad. And I'm telling you, God is going to raise up a remnant in America who are radically Jesus-centered. They are going to preach the full counsel of God. They're not here to please you. They're here to make disciples. They don't care how many people. They don't care how much money. They are living for an audience of one. There is a fresh discipleship movement that's being birthed in America. There is a fresh Jesus movement being birthed in America. People are tired of the dry, the stale, the lethargic. A Red Sea is parting in America, and I hope tonight you'll come on over and cross right through it. He's come to set the captives free, and they're sitting in this sanctuary. Ahab should have never been. Who, who says that Jezebel, that chick is hot? I mean, she goes, I mean, the devil goes from a serpent in Eden to a dragon in the book of Revelation. How did he grow? Are you ready? We fed him. Just we're, 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 
America. Oh my God, what's happening in our society? Oh my God, what's happening? Listen, folks, any good prophet or messenger is going to say, folks, stop worrying about them out there. We need to be saying, oh my God, what's happening in here? We're going to take the plank out of our own eyes. I remember going before the Lord, feeling burdened for the LGBTQ agenda, Lord. Such a lost generation. Where did the authority come from? He said, from the church. It was our, it was our lack of desire to confront heterosexual immorality that gave the homosexual agenda its power. It's called the Equality Act. Look it up. It's coming for a family, a school system near you. There is an antichrist agenda that is raging in America, and the only thing that can defeat it is the blood of Jesus, is an end-time army who knows who their God is, who has authority, because they're not compromised. If you want to see folks delivered, you've got to get delivered. We don't have any authority on racism because the church is racist. We don't have an authority on sexual immorality because our altars are compromised. And God is giving us an opportunity at the end of this year to say, Lord, I might be where I'm at now, but I'm sure not going into this new year with some junk in the trunk. I'm going to lay that junk down at the altar. God, deliver me from unrighteous affections. If I've opened up the door to Jezebel in my life, I'm telling you, some of you in your chat right now, it's full of filth. And it is disgusting in the sight of God. You might be able to hide it from your spouse or your pastor, but God sees everything. He loves you enough to point out our sin and call us home. He marries Jezebel. Oh God. Deliver the American church from the seduction, the perversion of Jezebel. How we have tolerated her for too long. How we have become attracted to things and people that we were never meant to be attracted to had we shut the door on sin. And then it go the, the disgusting nature of sin carries on where Ahab he builds an altar to Baal. 
And he fulfills the prophecy of Joshua who said that whoever builds these gates, it would cost them their firstborn and their lastborn. Damon Thompson asked the question, what kind of man, what kind of father would do something that would cost him his family? What kind of father would look at you know what? What kind of man or woman would have an affair? What, what kind? It, here's the answer, a perverse one. And the tagline is this, one generation's compromise is the next generation's captivity. Where are the men in the church that will give us the word of the Lord that have 50 years of integrity to back it up? Where are the moms and dads having the encounter that you so want your kids to have? Where are the grandmas and the grandpas that are pacing the floor saying, devil, you might have come this far, but you're not coming any further. Is there not a cause in America? Is there not a fight in the land? Is the Philistine giant not mocking and taunting the church? And is there not a Davidic army in this nation that's ready to cut off his head. I want to give you permission to tell the devil to shut up, to tell him that he's a liar, to tell him that you've been covered by the precious blood of Jesus, that you're not that person any longer, that you've been born again, that you have a new nature, that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, that you're a tongue talker, that you're a devil casting out son of God, that you're not a wimp, you're a warrior, that you're not a pussycat, you're a lion, that you're not a back row Christian, you're a front line warrior. I ask you tonight, is there not a cause in the land? Would you stand with me? I want to commission. I want to ignite. I want to prophesy over these waters a spirit of deliverance where in your bloodline things are going to be broken off. You're going to get delivered from sickness and disease and perversion. You're going to get a new appetite. You're going to get a diet. God is going to do a work inside of your spirit. If you have your prayer language, would you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? The scriptures say we're stirring ourselves up in our most holy faith. Some of you need to stir up the gift of God that's inside of you.
There's a spirit of awakening in this room. Come on, lift up your voices. Some of you came from long distances, not for a touch or a tickle. Some of you came for a life-changing encounter with the Son of Man. Come on, Grandma, help me. I know there's some old ladies in here that can help me. I'm sorry, I just don't believe a lot of people know how to pray until they can pray. God, release a contending spirit in America. God, release the gift of travail. Release the gift of the groan. Release the tears again, oh God. God, I'm asking that you would mantle messengers. I want to mantle messengers tonight. I want to give you the gift of courage. Just two more minutes. He's worthy. He's worthy for a full inheritance in every state and nation in the earth. Raise up the messengers, God. more seconds some revivalists here tonight I feel there are some revivalists here tonight that's you get down to the front 
I'm telling you, I believe there are some revivalists in this house. You don't give a, you just want Jesus. God released a spirit of desperation. Oh God, give the church the gift of hunger once again. We repent of our idolatry. Just pour it out. You deserve the glory. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all.
Come on, I feel like we're a five out of 10. There's a hunger, there's a humility. Oh, there's a gift that God wants to kiss us with tonight. You just have to ask Him for more. Who's ready? God, we're asking for more. God, we dare to ask for more. We're so grateful for all that you've done this year, but we say, God, we haven't seen anything yet. God, I'm not waiting around for some date. I'm saying this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know when these baptisms are starting, but I see lots of splashing. I mean, I'm telling you, some of you need to go down six or seven times. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Come on, in your own words. Lord, I got to have you. I'm desperate. Like, Lord, there's nothing else. There's nowhere I'd rather be. See the fire of God hovering all over this place. Touch somebody around you. There's like a catalyst of fire. I've never seen this before. There's pockets of fire all over this sanctuary. Just touch somebody around you. Fire. Come on, you're anointed. You're a, a, you're a host of his presence. Is that about some famous preacher? Lay hands on the sick, cast out the devils, prophesy freedom.
I'm going to jump in this water. I, I want to be the first one in tonight. Come on, we need some dads in this room. You're the first one in your family. You're the key to breakthrough. I don't care if you got clothes, you brought clothes. I'm telling you, there's a hunger. 